God is God and he's faithful and he's been faithful to us. And um, I'm thankful to be with you all again uh, to share uh, not only things that God is doing in the ministry, but to share uh, from Scripture today, I think a challenging word for all of us uh, to continue to be um, encouragement and a blessing to a princess who has been a blessing to us, to a Germain who's been a blessing to us, to Brandon who's been a blessing to us. How do we as God's people continue to share and to love and to proclaim and to tell the next generation about the wonders of God's love. Let's take a second to pray. Let's pray for Jermaine and Brandon and and Princess and her sister today. Father, we thank you for the testimony of how you have been the father, how you have been the model of love, how you have been the one who is our shepherd, who makes us lie down by green pastures, who protects us in your rod and your staff. They comfort us even in the darkest and uh, most difficult times in our lives. God, thank you. Help us be your hands, be your feet, be those who proclaim and tell of your goodness uh, for generations to come to our children, our grandchildren, our parents, our grandparents, that we would be those uh, who would help make you known. We pray this all for the glory of your son Jesus, because of him and in his name. Amen. So um, at our ministry at Towson University, we've been going through the book of Psalms, and I know you all have spent some time in Psalms recently, uh, but we've been going through, we call them the Psalms of our lives, that these were songs that help us know who we're supposed to be and who God is and how who he is in our lives. And today I want to share with you a part of a Psalm, um, Psalm 78, and I It's really a psalm that is a very long psalm. We're not going to go through all of it. We're just going to look at the first eight verses. But it's a long psalm that kind of tells the history again of the people of God and God's faithfulness among them. Uh, Let's read it together here. Um, I'll read it. You can kind of read along with me. It says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will... uh, Utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. Going on to verse 4, we will not hide them from uh, their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, his wonders of what he has done. He has decreed statutes for Jacob. He has established his law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in the Lord. They would not forget their his deeds, but they would keep his commands. They would not be like our ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirits were not faithful to him. Sometimes when we look at the news, we get scared. Once again, school shootings were in the news. The Santa Clara uh, event this past 
few days ago. Uh, it bothers us. We, we're more uncertain about this generation than ever. Uh, Ramona, one of the students and I, as we were driving over in Jermaine, we, we were driving, and she was telling me about some stuff happening locally that I'm like, oh my goodness, this is a scary time to be a young adult. This is a scary time for our children and our grandchildren. This is just a, just a difficult world we're living in. And sometimes we retreat. We retreat and kind of say, what do we do? How do we handle this? How, how can I even make a difference? We cry out to God, God save. But where are you, Lord? And, well, we get all into political action, and that may be and is appropriate for us. But what do we do? What do we want? What are we worried about? If we go back into Psalm 78 and we look at the last verse we read, verse uh, 8, we see some of our fears, right? (laughs) Because some of our fears are not just about this world. Some of these fears are because of us. We don't want our children, we don't want this generation necessarily to be like us, if we're going to be perfectly honest. That we want them not to be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts are not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. We've all been touched by that temptation. We've all been touched by those failures. We want for our children, for our grandchildren, we want for our college students today, something different. We want them to experience and know the wonders of God. We want them to flourish. We want them to have every opportunity. And we want them to be faithful. Look at verse 7, if we kept backing up. Then they would do three things. I love this. They would put their trust in God. They would not forget His deeds. And they would keep his commands. Psalm 78 verse 7 might be one of those key memory verses for you. Might be one of those ones that today you walk away with that you just want to put in your Bible somewhere. Because I really like this verse. If I would just trust God. How many times do you just panic and get frustrated and get worried? If I would just trust God. I'm running late. If I would just trust God. If I was, uh, if I would just hang on with him. Number two in that verse, I, I loved it, um, that we wouldn't forget his deeds. We wouldn't forget his deeds. We would keep remembering how God has provided in the past, how God has worked in the past, how God has delivered me. And number three, if we would just keep his commands, if I would just be faithful. This is what I want for the next generation. This is what Grace Life wants. This is what you want for your children, your grandchildren. This is what I want them to be, people who trust in God. People who know his commands and don't forget his deeds and are faithful to him. So the question for this morning is, are we accomplishing this in in the lives of young adults? Through all the ministries at Hopkins and at UMBC, here close by at Towson, you're here. Are we truly teaching the next generation? This picture up at the top um, that you see, I'm kind of excited about. um, And you don't realize what's going on. Do Do you recognize Joe in there? I think he led worship for you guys a few weeks ago. That picture is unique. These guys all served at a camp this summer for a week teaching teenagers about the good news of Jesus. Um, and <clears throat> there's Daniel, there's Joe, there's Christy, there's Jane. Those are actually four different generations of college students. You're thinking, uh, no, they all look the same to me. No, they're the same to you. But to me, those are four generations of college students. Daniel was one of the very first college students we had eight years ago over here at Towson University. He was there teaching teenagers. Uh, Joe, you've met. He's been leading worship. He was a president and the worship leader at UMBC. 
that was actually a couple generations of students ago. He's a, he's a PhD student now. He's been out, out of our group for a while. Um, Christy just graduated. Christy just graduated from Hopkins, um, and she was there leading uh, teenagers this past summer, and she started graduate school this year. Um, but she's like one of the newer generations, and Jane down there, she's a sophomore. She's current generation of college students. Those are four actually distinctive groups. They would have not been in school for the same time. One might have been a senior and one a freshman, that kind of thing. But they are actually different groups. And for me, one of the great privileges is seeing generation after generation of students passing on the good news, sharing about Christ, building these ministries. You can pray for us right now is one of those kind of times in college ministry. We are actually in transition. Every November, we do elections and nominations and we switch our leaders and train new leaders and find new people to discover new gifts and all of that. It's exciting because that means every year we're changing over leaders. We're building new leaders. Um, Jermaine and I were talking right the other day. He's like, man, what's going to happen after Olin and Erica graduate and move on? You guys love those guys. They're here. He's like, how's that going to happen? Who's going to take over? Who's going to lead now? I'm like, it'll be okay. I've lived this long enough. It'll be okay. There'll be new people. Liam's graduating. He's such a talented musician. Who's going to be able to lead next? I didn't know uh, Sierra had that great of a voice. That was beautiful. Next generation. The next, she's a first year student. Uh, next generation coming up that God blesses. And then all of them continue to, God grabs them where they're at, moves them forward, gives them a new heart to train. Pastor Bill Jones from Jessup Baptist Church is in that other picture. I, I, I like him a whole great deal. He goes with our students typically every year on spring break mission trip because he's teaching them how to do construction. He's teaching, he came to our fall retreat to teach him how to share the gospel. He wants to pass on to the next generation. He invests his spring break every year to spend time with college students just to, to, to bless them. He meets Olin, he meets with Olin every once a month or so just to follow up with, with, uh, sharing the good news. Why? We don't want them to be like us. We want them to learn to follow and love God. We want to pass it on to the next generation. Well, there's a few keys uh, that we'll see here in a minute. Uh, But as we continue to move to the next verse, uh, verse 4 says this. We need to make sure that we're not hiding from them, from our descendants, this good news of God. We're going to move on to the next verse here. Um, Verse 4. There it goes. We will not hide from them, from their, hide them the commandments of God, these truths about God, this idea of trusting God. We're not going to hide them from the descendants. From, now that struck me. Why would we hide God's ways? How do we hide God's ways? I realized something. We often hide the truths about God The knowledge of God, we actually hide it. Sometimes we're doing that at work. Sometimes we're doing that when we're out and about. Sometimes we're doing that in our families. I found myself doing it yesterday. Hiding the truths about God. You see, I I was at the grocery store with my wife. And um, I I don't know if you... Things have changed, right? You you guys use the little self-checkout ones, right? And you kind of scan through. And it's hopefully faster because, you know, not shorter lines. And they've got six little automatic ones and only one person at the actual register. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to use the little check. And, of course, you, you get through most of them pretty good. And then all of a sudden, the little light goes off. You'll need assistance for this. 
And you're looking around, and there's nobody there to help give you assistance. You, you have the lights flashing, like, oh, you got to be kidding. And so finally someone comes over and pushes a couple buttons, and then we're all good. Except I put it back down. I put the same item on the thing. The person left, of course. And the light goes off again. You know, I'm like, oh. You know, I'm visibly frustrated with this small inconvenience in my life. The young lady came back. She fixed it. Moved on. But it was interesting. The man at the next little kiosk kind of looked over and said, Can't get your break sometimes. I hope your day gets better. And I was like, that was really kind. But what was kind of, you know, like a little knife in the gut for me was, I wasn't representing Jesus at that moment. He was this nice man. He was this woman. I'm visibly frustrated I'm hiding the fact that how much has God provided for me? How I'm supposed to be overflowing with thankfulness in my life. I'm supposed to be this representative of Jesus. Not just, hey, it's Tuesday night at Grace Life. Let me make sure I'm a good uh, ambassador for Jesus. Hey, it's Bible study time. I need to be a good uh, representative of Jesus. But just like Jermaine, and I appreciate that heart of his, saying, I'm a hypocrite sometimes. I'm a hypocrite a lot. I can't be. We hide the work of God to our children and our grandchildren and our neighbors and our co-workers and our college students when we fail to live out this joy and this thankfulness that God has in our lives. We need to not hide it. I think we hide it in some strange words. But we also need to tell. We need to be very clear that we are instructing our children, instructing our college students, instructing our young adults, that next generation, telling them the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. I appreciate so much Princess stepping up today and saying, let me tell you about how God was father to me. Let me tell you how the Lord continues to get me through. Let me... She's not glossing over the hurt or the pain, but she's saying the Lord has been praiseworthy in my life. Are you telling your story? Are you recounting the deeds of the Lord? Are you telling how God got you through? Several years back, it was interesting. My father, who's a seminary professor and um, been in ministry his whole life, I was going through a difficult time in my life, and he began to share with me some difficult times in ministry that I had never heard these stories before. He's been in my life all 48 years. But I'd never heard those stories of how the Lord had gotten him through, how God had taught him difficult lessons in difficult times. We need to tell the story to the next generation. Moving on to verse 5. It says, He decreed these statutes for Jacob. He established the law in Israel, which he commanded for our ancestors uh, to teach their children so that the next generation would know them. And even the children yet to be born. And they, in turn, would tell their children. I've shared this with you all before, as I've talked before, and talked about our college ministries. We have a strategic time, and this is why we invest in college ministry. They are, there we have people constantly passing through who are going to be those who go and tell their parents, their grandparents, their friends, and hopefully their children and their grandchildren. That, that our young adults today are our teachers tomorrow. Our young adults today are our church leaders tomorrow. That's why a guy like Jermaine and I will sit down every week to prepare Bible study, right? Thanks for bragging on me on my Bible study teaching. Yeah. Truth is, I've been doing it for 25 years. I better be okay. 
But here's what I want to tell you. I want to brag for a second. Not on me, but how Jermaine and I, well, he's going, I don't even understand this. What's going on here? That was week one. Week two, oh, I think I'm getting what's going on here. Week three, hey, I got an idea. What if we ask this question? What if we did this? Week four, he just wrote all the questions. You know, he's got what's going on. He's learning to lead. He's learning to teach. He's learning to train. Does your church have opportunities for your young adults to learn to lead? Are we teaching them how? Are we not only passing on the truths, but enabling them to pass on the truths of God's word? Learning to be those leaders that God is calling them to be. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says it this way. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men, reliable young women, who will also be able to teach others. The things you've heard, the things you know, these truths from God's word, these truths from how God has worked in your life. Are you passing them on to your children? Are you passing them on to other young people in your church? Are you giving them the opportunities then as they become qualified to teach others? Well, they're not ready yet. Well, how are they going to get ready if they never have the opportunity to lead? For us at Grace Life, that's who we are. We're a young group leading young adults, helping them uh, become the leaders they're supposed to be. Thank you for your support and for your prayers for this ministry. Well, let me share with you one other little insight that I think we come from, or actually a set of little insights that come, I think, really, beginning with this passage. Um, Flip to the next slide. Keys to passing on the knowledge of God. If you want some little helpful hints, some little help, there's some guys passing on the knowledge of God right at Towson, uh, being an outreach table that we had uh, not too many weeks ago when it was a little warmer than today. In verse 1, in verse 1, it's interesting. In verse 2, it says, My people, listen to the teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. It's interesting. This verse is quoted in the New Testament about Jesus. The gospel writers say this verse is about Jesus. That Jesus who came along telling us parables, that this verse was indicating how God would communicate some of his truths to us. And certainly our Messiah, King, did come teaching in parables. One of them, uh, you may know it well, some call it the parable of the sower, some call it the parable of the seeds. And Jesus went along and said, hey, there was a farmer who went out and began to throw his seed uh, onto the ground to plant. Um, And as he did, um, some fell along the rocky soil, right? And some fell along uh, the path and some fell along some good soil, but it had weeds in it and they grew up and choked out the plants. And some fell along some really good soil. And it grew and produced 60, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. In verse 11, Jesus actually tells us the meaning of this, this parable. And it says, the meaning of this parable is that the seed is the word of God. Those along the path were the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts uh, so that they may believe and be saved. The first group, it falls on the hard soil on the road and the birds just eat it. He says that those are the people that never really hear, that never really understand. Satan comes, snatches away. He goes on uh, in verse 13 and says, Those, the seeds that fell upon the rocky soil or rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. And when they hear it, uh, receive it with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while. 
But when the time of testing comes, they fall away. They fall away. The soil's too shallow. It never takes root. You can't get the right moisture. It can't ever really grow. And they fall away. The third, beginning in, in verse 14, says, The seed that fell among the thorns. That stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They don't mature. They do not mature. So often those are those seeds uh, that are in our lives. We get distracted. We move on. Well, here's something we need to realize. Key number one, that responding to Jesus is an individual matter. That all of us will be facing temptations, facing trials. Our roots will be tempted not to let our roots ground deep. Or sometimes we just won't even hear. Sometimes in working with young adults and working with, with college students and working with your own children, you might think, gosh, are they even listening to me? Or are they getting distracted? Or am I getting distracted? All of us need to respond to Jesus as individuals. When we look on in this next verse... It says this, but the seed that fell on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Those who hear the word and retain it and by that persevere and have a good crop. Responding to Jesus is not only a personal matter, but responding to Jesus is a heart matter. It's a heart matter. Uh, when we look at this next slide, you'll see that uh, there's a group of students that spent the whole weekend. It was homecoming weekend. Now, homecoming on campus, there were a lot of activities, but they spent their time on a retreat, pulled away with God, spending time with him, searching and seeking and finding truths from his word. Are you those that are saying, yeah, I'm going to invest. I'm going to help my children invest. I'm going to spend time with people um, because <laughs> it's a heart matter i got to prioritize the king. What did they do with that time, though? They spent time in God's word. Listen to what it says in verse 15 again. They had a noble and good heart, but they heard the word and they retained it. They spent time. How are we going to teach God's word to the next generation if we don't know it ourselves? We've challenged those guys at Grace Life to spend 40 days. We have a reading plan in the Gospel of Luke just to spend from now until Thanksgiving or now until Christmas or at least the end of the semester reading through the Gospel of Luke together. If we don't know the scriptures, how are we going to pass it on? If we're not applying it in our lives, how are we going to be those models? And finally, as we look back, um, it says this. But the seed that fell on the soil stands for those with those noble and good character. What is the last thing about them? They had heard the word, they retained it, and by persevering, they produced the crops. This might be the biggest lesson that any one of you guys, I feel like Valley Baptist Church might need to hear. Sometimes you just got to persevere. Sometimes you got to just keep going. Because responding to Jesus and to proclaiming the word of God to the next generation is a persistence matter. It's a persistence matter. I see lots of guys who come in and want to do college ministry and they want to work with us and they stay about a year. Not really much happens in a year. It's day after day. Very little happens a semester. More happens in a year. A lot happens in a generation. If we'll spend that time teaching scripture week after week, modeling, mentoring week after week, it doesn't go quickly. It doesn't come instantaneously. It's week after week. You got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. You got to be faithful. 
Don't give up when it seems like it's going slow. Don't quit when it doesn't feel like it's yielding a lot of fruit. you got to take a stand and you got to be faithful. The question for you, how have you been responding to Jesus? Are you that person that's able to teach the next generation? Or has your heart sort of been cold to what God wants to do? Have you been those that have been meditating on God's word so that your roots grow down deep? Or has the time of testing kind of shaken you? Are you those that by persistence, like you go and week after week and day after day, uh, invest and invest and invest? Are you seeing the fruit? Or are you giving up just way too early? Giving up way too early. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, you're invited. You're invited to respond, to say yes to Jesus, to say, come into my life. I want to follow you. But maybe you are a believer. I just need to take this word to heart. How are you, what kind of soil are you being as a model and as those who witness to the next generation? Let's pray together and then we're going to have one more song. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you for how it encourages us so that we would proclaim and share to the next generation. You are good and you are faithful and you are persistent. Help us cherish your word. Help us teach your word. Help us be those who are ambassadors for you for generations to come, through the generations that are to come. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.